for a home comes with a lot of to-dos. Fix the AC, build a deck, remodel the kitchen, whatever your home improvement need, HomeAdvisor can help you find a pro you can trust to get the job done right. Go to rebuild.homeadvisor.com for instant access to top-rated pros in your area, including electricians, handymen, remodelers, whatever type of home pro you need. HomeAdvisor is absolutely free to use. At HomeAdvisor, you don't have to search through a long list of pros. With just a few clicks, HomeAdvisor matches you with pros who provide the exact services you need. You can read customer reviews of the pros, even use the cost guide to find out what hundreds of other home projects cost in your area. Because HomeAdvisor knows it's important to find a pro you can trust in your home, they conduct background checks on their service professionals. It's just one of the reasons more than 25 million homeowners have used HomeAdvisor. Go to rebuildhomeadvisor.com to find the right pro for your project. That's rebuild.homeadvisor.com. Boston conservative in the cradle of liberty. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. Thank you very much, and it is I, Chuck Morse, Monday through Friday, 10 till noon, Eastern Standard Time, right here at the Information Radio Network, emanating out of Memphis, Tennessee. I'm here in Boston. You're welcome to join the program, 844-439-1391, 844-439-1391. And Tuesday was primary day here in the Bay State. Um, running for governor is Evan Falchuk. He is running uh, as a United Independent Party candidate for governor of Massachusetts. Evan didn't have to have a primary. He's on the ballot. He'll be there in November. Evan, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Uh, Evan, you uh, wrote some interesting uh, and thoughtful commentary on the results of the primary on Tuesday. I'd like you to elaborate a bit on that. Uh, what what went down on that day as you see it, and how does that impact your candidacy? Well, you know, what happened here in Massachusetts is is something that's been happening all across the country, which is that voters are just not coming out to vote for the political establishment. Uh, we had 16% voter turnout, one six, which means that 84% of voters did not vote in these primaries. Um, when you total up the votes that the winner of the Democratic primary and the winner of the Republican primary got, it's only about 8% of registered voters. Now, the, the press will report on those two as if they're the, the titans, the behemoths of this, of this upcoming election on November 4th. But the truth is they got a tiny percentage of voters. Ninety-two percent of voters didn't pick them. So when people talk about the fact that they feel as if our government does not represent us anymore, that it's become detached from the concerns of ordinary voters, it's because the system is set up to do that. Ninety-two percent of people just did not pick these candidates. They're the ones that are being presented this way. So the the Falchuk for Governor campaign is inherent as a part of it is the creation of this new independent party. So we can have a structure and a framework to elect new, smart, independent people into our legislature and and to really make uh, a change and a fix to the system, which is really badly broken. 
Evan, I'm not sure I agree with you that the uh, the the low turnout was as a result of the system because uh, two years ago there was an enormously high turnout. I mean, in the same system, of course, uh, well, that was a presidential say, election. Yeah, and when I say the yeah. system, you're right. There was a high turnout in 2010 because there was an issue that people cared about that affected their lives that made them want to get out there and vote. But the system I'm talking about is the party establishment that says. You're going to climb up and make it through these parties and make it to the general election because you do and say the things that the party establishment wants you to do and say. And that produces candidates that people are not interested in. They're not going to be enthusiastic about. They're not going to get out to vote. They'll vote if there's something important going on that, that makes them want to. But barring that, they're not going to participate. And this is why the people feel as if the system doesn't represent them. Um, the people we elect, if they're people that are um, uh, tied to and – um, supported by and driven by the interests that are fueling the establishment political parties. When they're facing the issues that matter, they're going to make choices that represent those folks, not the ordinary voter. It's why we need to make that kind of a change in order to fix this. Uh, well, I think that what you're saying here is that the two major parties really uh, uh, run by establishments do not actually stand for anything that resonates with voters, which is why people didn't come out and that the candidates themselves are basically wholly owned by their political organizations, the parties. Um, yet you're uh, running with this new party called the United Independent Party. So, uh, Evan, could you talk a little bit about what the United Independent Party stands for in the positive sense? Why should people come out Absolutely. and support your party, and why should they support you as a governor of the state? The majority of voters, we did some polling last year, about 60% of voters in Massachusetts want to see a new independent party that's based on the, the kinds of ideas that, that, that I'll describe here, which is that everybody's equal and everybody's civil rights actually protected. The government also has to spend taxpayer dollars wisely. And, and make no mistake, those are taxpayer dollars. And too often we hear people in the political establishment think of it as the, governor, the government's money, uh, or they call taxes revenue, which always irks me as a business person. So the reason I founded this new party is that we need to replace this political establishment, which is outdated and complacent, and to bring in people who are smart, who are thoughtful, who want to figure out what the right answers are to questions. And that's in my background, my career as a business person. I was the president of a, of a healthcare business that we grew uh, over the course of about 13 years from nine employees to up over 600 employees. And you know how you do that? I mean, obviously, you have to have good ideas and, and, and really understand what's going on out there in the market. But there is a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that goes into building an organization and a lot of passion and a lot of belief. And, you know, when people look at people in the political establishment today, I don't think they use those words to describe the kind of leadership we have. Uh, there's a lot of uh, get along, to, you know, go along to get along and uh, you know, scratch each other's back, and, and you know, of course, that's that's part of what democracy is. But it's become overtaken by these interests. So, for instance, here in Massachusetts, we, we, this is one of the most expensive states in the country to live in, and the the biggest reason for it is our health care is very very expensive. <clears throat> in fact, it's the most expensive in the country by a lot. Healthcare happens to be really great in Massachusetts, you know, in our in our hospitals and the doctors provide, but. The prices have been going up because the hospitals have been merging and turning into these monopolies. 
And on a very bipartisan basis, our government has said, that's fine. The trouble is this is costing ordinary consumers tens of millions of dollars in, in the free-for-all and the market-distorting practices that have happened. Well, I look back and I say, there, there used to be leaders, people like Teddy Roosevelt back 100 years ago, that would stand up to these big concentrations of power that are hurting consumers and say, let's stop this from happening. Um, what, what I'm standing for in this campaign, and I've laid out a detailed plan on what to do with it, is to stop these kind of monopolistic market-distorting practices and, and replace it with something that stops the profiteering. I mean, hospitals, doctors, they should make money, but not like this and not, not in ways that are distorting the market. Um, that puts money right back okay. into people's pockets, and that's the kind of leadership we should be well, demanding. Yeah, let's let's talk about that. First of all, your biography sounds a lot like Charlie Baker's, in that he also is the head of a of a healthcare co- uh, corporation. Uh, I think it's Harvard Pilgrim, um, and yet you're suggesting, as a matter of public policy, um, doing something about this uh, high concentration of of um, resources and power in the hands of one or two healthcare providers in Massachusetts, which has been going on and now for about. The past ten years, particularly Partners Healthcare, which owns Mass General and um, and uh, the Brigham and Women's, and then you got Stewart and a couple of other big players, and that uh, this is causing a. a um, you say that this is the, responsible for the higher cost of healthcare in our state. What can a governor do, you know, within a context of the free market, to uh, to perhaps diversify ownership of Healthcare modalities, which I think you're suggesting, would uh, cause a decrease in the cost. Well, it would because the the mergers that have been happening are happening largely just really to raise prices. I mean, it's it's about market power, and um, you know the the big insurance companies are also pretty monopolistic too. And so we we've got you know the people that are paying for healthcare, which tend to be the insurance companies, and the people providing it, which are the tend to be the hospitals that are becoming giant monopolies, and they start acting like that. It's a little bit like what uh, people find when they deal with the cable companies. You know, your, your level of service may not be what you like, but the price seems to keep going up, and um, you don't really have a lot of choices as to what you can do. And, and this, is, this is what happens over time. I mean, this is well known in, in, in the capitalist system that sometimes it, it breaks, and we start to see these kinds of concentrations. So what a governor can do, and I've proposed this, and it's, it's been done in other states. Maryland has done actually a very interesting and, and good job with this. They're ahead of us on this by creating um, what they call a fee schedule. And what it, what it says is, look, you can be a, a great teaching hospital, and you should charge more because it's better uh, and, and more intensive services that are provided than if it's in a community hospital, but not the kind of things that we see where people get bills. I was talking to someone yesterday who got a uh, a bill for a couple hundred dollars that he saw for getting some Tylenol in an emergency room or someone who sees a $4,000 bill to have a, a cast put on. I mean, th- these are the kinds of, of practices that are abusive and that our government is for, and those are the kinds of things that a governor can do. Implement that kind of a fee schedule. Hospitals are not efficient places. They may provide great care, but they don't run very efficiently. And part of the reason is they don't have to. When they run inefficiently, they can just pass along the costs to the insurer, and that means ultimately to every consumer in the Commonwealth. What a fee schedule does is it says to the hospitals, you need to be accountable and provide efficient care. And all the studies out there, there's so many of them that show that waste in, in hospital care is somewhere between 30 and 40% of, of what goes on. If you got rid of just 5%, that would 
That's $2 billion right back into the pockets of consumers and businesses. This is how we spur economic growth. There needs to be more money back into people's pockets so they can spend it. They can save it. They can choose what to do with it. They can start a business. They can save to send someone to college. They can buy sure. a home. They can take care of a parent. Yeah, right sure. now, that money is going Keep into the pockets. what they've earned. That's right. And, and yeah. when you look at where money is spent right now in Massachusetts, it's, it, healthcare is, is the number one issue. And knowing that it's caused by these market-distorting practices and our government sits by and you've got people on the Democratic and Republican side that will both say really nice things like, you know, healthcare needs to be affordable and accessible to everybody. And people clap. But what does it mean? What does it mean? What do these vague platitudes mean at the end of the day? And, and why, do people, why do people in our political life get away with it? It's because when 84% of voters don't vote, and when we have a media um, that has become very much wrapped up in supporting the political establishment, except if there's people like you that are out there that are willing to push people. You know, the questions you're asking me, I wish there were people from establishment press that would, would press on these kinds of issues, but they don't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they get away with things. And, they be, you know, voters, when they become idle, well, the people in, in power take advantage of that, and, uh, and we all suffer for it. No, look, they, the uh, establishment press, as you say, certainly does not want to do any vigorous investigation of um, health costs in Massachusetts. Um, Evan, what do you think the uh, role has been of the um, what's euphemistically called Romney Care, uh, kind of the state version of Obamacare, in the expansion of health costs? Has it saved us money? Has it uh, cost? What does it cost the state? And what could be done uh, to improve it if you think it needs improving? Uh, I think it's, it, you know, we've had this long-term trend of prices going up, which actually started back in the 1990s when, um, under Governor Well, they deregulated the hospital market. And, and Charlie Baker was secretary of HHS there when that happened. And that was when Partners was founded. That's when these hospital consolidations started. But it's been a very bipartisan thing because it's been continuing. It continued under Governor Romney, and it's certainly been happening under Governor Patrick and Martha Coakley, who's the Democratic nominee, um, is the one who's been working hard to to help partners um, get the two other large hospital groups in Massachusetts. And it's tied up right now in the courts, but she's been supportive of it, even though it's going to cost lots of money. Um, the, the implementation of Romney Care and also Obamacare is probably added costs to the system. Um, you know, it's in, in particular, um, you know, the, the the trouble we have is is that it's what it did is there's, there's two different concepts. There's the idea of how you pay for health care, which is insurance. And then there's the delivery of care, and, and Romneycare dealt with, with how you pay for it. Okay, we'll be right back. Evan Falchuk's my guest, candidate for governor of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Get in, kid. Clean, fresh air thanks to these new air handler filters. They're more energy efficient, hold more dust, and are stronger than ever. And Granger's got over 3,000 different styles and sizes to choose from. Just ordered a new batch from Granger.com today. I love oxygen, kid. And this facility's got some great AO2. I'm breathing easier just thinking about these air handler filters. Get some today. Get it? Got it? Good. Call, click Granger.com slash air handler or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Attention business owners. Is your company currently ranking on page one? If not, then you need ClickDepot.com. It's true. Search engine users click on organic results by a margin of 94% to 6%. If you're not on page one, you're done. To start moving to the top, visit ClickDepot.com. 
Searching your company's name will always put you on page one. But what if shoppers don't search your name? What if your company doesn't even rank? Then what? You need ClickDepot.com, the results-based search engine marketing firm that says, if you don't rank, you don't pay. Begin moving to the top today, beat the competition, and turn clicks into customers with ClickDepot.com. Yes, it's true. Search engine users click on organic results by a margin of 94% to 6%, and that's where they spend their cash. Are customers finding you on page one? Stop paying and praying and start ranking today with ClickDepot.com. Visit ClickDepot.com. That's ClickDepot.com today. Some restrictions apply. Offer valid in select cities. Here's a special announcement for those of you who owe the IRS at least 10000 or more in back taxes. Now, there's hope. The Internal Revenue Service has extraordinary programs in place that could eliminate or reduce your tax debt by thousands of dollars. Call the 911 Tax Relief Helpline that has been set up to help you. 800-295-1849. Stop the wage garnishments, levies, and tax liens now. Once you've qualified and enrolled, the IRS will halt all collection activities against you. These unique programs have been allocated to help the economy and significantly reduce or eliminate your tax burden. The IRS is currently accepting reduced settlements and other favorable programs. You may qualify for substantial savings, so get the help you need. For free information and to see if you qualify, take down the number now for the Tax Relief Helpline. 800-295-1849. 800-295-1849. That's 800-295-1849. Have you ever thought you'd like to buy and sell houses but didn't know how or where to begin? Do you fear your job is in jeopardy or is your business income reduction keeping you awake at night? We're in the best time in 25 years to make a fortune in real estate without using your money or credit. My name is Ron Legrand, and I've taught a half a million people to do just that and personally bought hundreds of houses myself. If you'll call 800-970-6156, 24 hours, and leave your information, I'll send you the first 500 callers my hot new CD, Foreclosure Fortunes, and my best-selling book to help you get started absolutely free. I'll show you how to build a six-figure income part-time with no previous experience and no license, even if you're a busy professional. Call 800-970-6156, 24 hours, and get my new book and CD free. That's 800-970-6156. Take your life back and make this your best year ever. Call 800-970-6156 now. Hi, I'm Joan London, and if you're worried about your parent or a loved one living alone like I was, and you want reliable senior care information, then call A Place for Mom, the nation's largest senior living referral service. With one phone call, you'll get free information on assisted living, Alzheimer's care, nursing homes, even important financial information. It's a free service, so call now. 800-379-2206. 800-379-2206. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much. We're talking with Evan Thaltrick, who's a candidate for governor of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, running as a United Independent Party candidate. He will be on the ballot in November, along with the uh, Democrat and Republican candidates. Uh, Evan, we're talking about uh, your proposals to reform or change uh, Romney Care, the, uh, the the health connector. Um, has it cost people more? What can be done? My understanding is that it has been the largest budget buster in the state government um, in modern uh, in modern times. But uh, what can be done about it? 
Well, again, the, the root cause of the problem is the or the costs that are being generated at hospitals because of what they're doing with their prices. That's what's making healthcare more expensive. Um, definitely, there's money that's being spent by the state too because the model of both Romney Care and Obamacare is that you have to buy insurance, and if you can't afford it, we'll subsidize you or or get you into a state-funded program to give you your your your, uh, your coverage. And the trouble is, as the hospitals keep increasing their prices, that means that the subsidies have to keep going up. And it means that there's more people that now qualify for being under a state program. So we've, we've got this very, very bad dynamic. And because the, the hospital systems are politically powerful, no one wants to take them on. And it's, it's something that in America today is what we see a lot of, which is that if you're really big, I mean, we, we all heard about too big to fail, um, but there's also too big to play by the rules. Uh, if you're really big, you've got some political leaders that will do your bidding, and they'll make sure that the rules work to allow you to keep doing what you're doing, even though it costs consumers so dearly, and it costs government, both state and local, so dearly, and ends up leading to all sorts of other issues with our budgets. So what, what not only what can be done, but what we have to do is stop that that dynamic from happening. So when I talk about creating that fee schedule, this is the sort of thing that we have our government for. You know, when, when, there are, when there are concentrations of power, when there are abusive business practices that are happening that are harming people, that's what it's for. Um, you know, and, and I think too often these things get stuck in the political debates that have been having in our country uh, that, that are – they're important that people are out there engaging and debating and talking about these issues, but they can be a distraction from the real show that's going on, the real issue that's happening behind the scenes that both political parties are – two sides of the same coin. And that coin, that stock and trade, is the money that those organizations and the people tied to them give to both the parties and to support those candidates, the promise of future jobs and employment after being in public office. It's very alluring to people, and it's, it's what's wrong. I think, I think we need to be thinking about why is it that uh, people are not entering public life who, are, who see themselves as being public servants and rather see it as a career path. It's because, again, the party structures that have been set up are designed to produce people who, who act that way. Uh, and, that's, and that's everything that's wrong with the system. And it's, it's really the fundamental challenge we face at this point in our, in our democracy. So, Evan, you as an independent, if elected governor of Massachusetts and not connected in any way to the big uh, hospital uh, complex in, in our state, are saying that you will be in a position where you could take them on where you can use the power of the government, of the state government, to regulate these costs to maybe help, you know, cause some sort of an auditing of unnecessary costs, and that uh, this is all within the purview of uh, state government. The state government can do it. Well, they haven't the, done the state it government the can do it. These... State government can do it, and, and in other states they have. But keep in mind that, that our system of government, both here in Massachusetts and in America is, is set up so that a governor has to work with a legislature in order to do things. So it isn't as simple as saying a governor says he wants something and it happens. We, you know, that's our, that's our system. Now, um, right, we but have, if you're elected, you could use the office to, to pressure yeah, absolutely. the state and, legislature. And look, electing, sure. electing Massachusetts, the, the first independent governor in Massachusetts history, would be quite a significant political earthquake, and I think it would make a big difference for for what, what I'll be able to do working with the legislature. But part of the reason I founded the United no, no, Independent no, Party – sorry. Sorry, Chuck, yeah. go ahead. No, go ahead. 
I mean, in the broader sense, I mean, besides taking on corruption, as it were, and I mean a small c corruption, in the uh, in the hospital industry, as an outsider coming into the state who's not connected to either party and is not connected to our sort of what I would describe as a corrupt, and I mean that again with a small c, state government system that has had layers and layers of government going back really to probably the 1970s, you'd be in a position, and I think this would be a huge benefit for the people of the state and something that should really bring you a lot of prominence and votes, uh, if you were to take on this massive public sector that has grown during every administration that's costing the taxpayers a fortune. You know, there is over 50 agencies in this state that are quasi-government. We don't even know how much they uh, they cost us. We don't know how much uh, you know capital costs they incur or other costs. We don't even know what they do. Uh, that's amazing, one thing isn't to it? his credit, that Bill, yeah, I mean Bill Weld, to his credit, was able to consolidate something like 13 state police agencies down to three. But the problem is that this pervades the entire system still. When we come back from a break, I want to ask you what you plan to do about. It. And a load of other debt. Wouldn't it be great if it all just went away? Nine-year mortgage can change your life. We paid off all of our bills. All your debt, including your mortgage, in as little as nine years? We will have saved over $313,000 in interest payments. Even have more money left over each month? It lowered our monthly payments by a little over $500. Nine-year mortgage. (laughs) Where have they been all of our life? If you knew about something like that, you'd want to tell everybody. Whenever I have a friend or someone that needs this service, I give them the number. Hi, I'm Larry Ruff, president of Nine Year Mortgage. This is unlike anything you've ever seen before, and it will absolutely not harm your credit. Call for your free CD and learn how you can eliminate all of your debt, including your mortgage, much sooner than you ever dreamed possible. The more debt you have, the more we can help. Call for your free CD now, 800-383-5310. This works. Call the number. Call now for your free CD, 800-383-5310, 800-383-5310. Have you ever thought you'd like to buy and sell houses but didn't know how or where to begin? Do you fear your job is in jeopardy or is your business income reduction keeping you awake at night? We're in the best time in 25 years to make a fortune in real estate without using your money or credit. My name is Ron Legrand, and I've taught a half a million people to do just that and personally bought hundreds of houses myself. If you'll call 800-970-6156, 24 hours, and leave your information, I'll send you the first 500 callers my hot new CD, Foreclosure Fortunes, and my best-selling book to help you get started absolutely free. I'll show you how to build a six-figure income part-time with no previous experience and no license, even if you're a busy professional. Call 800-970-6156, 24 hours, and get my new book and CD free. That's 800-970-6156. Take your life back and make this your best year ever. Call 800-970-6156 now. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. Thanks so much. My guest is Evan Falchuk. He's a candidate for governor, United Independent Party in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Uh, Evan, we're talking about uh, this enormous corruption. And again, I don't mean corruption necessarily in the sense that people are stashing away bags of dough, but just a a corrupt culture in politics here that uh, both parties have presided over. Democrats, I would argue, worse than Republicans. 
But nevertheless, it's so entrenched that uh, it seems virtually unmovable. As an independent governor, you would have no connection to it. What would you do to uh, try to improve uh, this uh, situation? Well, there has to be uh, proper hiring of people. You know, too many of these jobs, we just, uh, for, for those who were not following this because it was out of Massachusetts, there was a, a, a big scandal here around hiring of workers in the probation department, which were all given out as political favors. And I think for for most voters, when they heard the stories about how certain numbers of jobs were reserved for certain influential political people to fill with their friends and cronies and, and these important jobs, they were stunned to know it was that blatant. And for most people that are were insiders in politics, they said, well, this is sort of how the system works. Well, that's not good. That's really bad that there's that kind of stuff going on and, and voters just aren't aware of it. So what I've proposed, we have an inspector general's office in Massachusetts whose job you would think it would be to look for this kind of, of corruption and root it out. Um, it doesn't have any kind of specialized division to look for these things, which I guess maybe shouldn't surprise us that no one wants to have a watchdog looking at their activities. Right. Uh, but what I propose creating is a, is a fair hiring unit within the inspector general's office so that we're constantly scouring the ranks of state government to make sure that the people in those jobs actually are capable of doing them and are the right people to be hired. Obviously, everyone needs to make good hiring decisions, but it can't be this kind of thing where you say, well, because you're the leader of X and because you're the even the governor, you've got certain numbers of jobs to fill. And of course, they're filled with friends and supporters, not the most qualified candidates. It's It's become the norm of how business gets done in the public sector. Coming from the private sector like myself, you can't do that. You know, you, you can't be in that kind of a situation as a business. You go out of business really quick. The government is able to get away with it because they can just say, well, you know, we'll just not do a great job. And if taxpayers right. don't like it, but, you know, well, what are we going to do? Sure, but there's no accountability. But, Evan, I think the, uh, I'm trying to get at a, a problem that's even more systemic than that, and that is that the state government itself has become so huge for a small state. I think our government is one of the biggest in the country in terms of its multi-layered, multi-duplicitous, you know, redundant agencies and sub-agencies. There's a lot and, of that. You know, the pen- oh, there's a lot of it, the pension, and, it and it's amazing. Uh, yeah, the pension scandal is huge. The Boston Herald a couple of years ago did a front-page piece on this where they discovered that you know, there are hundreds of people in this state who are getting over hundred grand a year in retirement, and they're only in their forties. And, and you know, these are people who I don't know what they did, but we're going to be paying for them. You know, probably for the next thirty, forty years. Nobody gets sure. that kind of pension in the private sector. Nobody wants yeah. to talk about that. And and, and no. the, uh, the people are, are you know they'll they'll be able to retire one day after a certain date. And they get an extra ten grand a year. I mean, this was the case recently with this judge who uh, was caught shoplifting. I don't remember her name, but you know, it's, it was a story covered by Channel Five, and she was able to quietly retire one day after a certain date and get an extra ten grand attached to her already huge pension. Yeah, there's a very I mean, wise man that I met out on, on on the campaign trail. He's been around politics in Massachusetts for about 60 years, and he said to me, "What you got to understand is that the ends protect the ends," and and I think that is a very important point. And our our two party establishment is very much of that ilk. You know, that this this probation department thing. You know, the the things that it, it, when it started, governor of Massachusetts was a Republican. 
Um, but the people that were doing all the bad acts were, were Democrats. But there wasn't, at the time, people saying, stop this corrupt activity. It's just the way business gets done. That's what has to change. All right, we'll be right back. Evan Falchuk's my guest. I'm running for governor of the United Independent Party. A Truth Talk defender, Chuck Morse, is someone you really do want to know. Chuck hosts the radio talk show Chuck Moore Speaks, which is nationally syndicated. He's the author of books and numerous columns that have been published broadly. Chuck received the 2003 Communicator of the Year Award and was named a heavy 100 radio talk host by Talkers Magazine. When Chuck Moore Speaks, people listen. The taking possession of this tiny holy land so that the Jew can serve God, not conquer the world. To hear Chuck live, go to irnusaradio.com. To hear Chuck with Deborah Ray on Truth Talk Beyond the Soundbite, visit the on-demand page at deborahray.us. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law of this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, Proof of God in Heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via His universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. I and sell houses but didn't know how or where to begin? Do you fear your job is in jeopardy or is your business income reduction keeping you awake at night? We're in the best time in 25 years to make a fortune in real estate without using your money or credit. My name is Ron Legrand and I've taught a half a million people to do just that and personally bought hundreds of houses myself. If you'll call 800 970 6156, 24 hours and leave your information, I'll send you the first 500 callers my hot new CD, Foreclosure Fortunes, and my best-selling book to help you get started absolutely free. I'll show you how to build a six-figure income part-time with no previous experience and no license, even if you're a busy professional. Call 800-970-6156, 24 hours, and get my new book and CD free. That's 800-970-6156. Take your life back and make this your best year ever. Call 800-970-6156 now. Author, journalist, and American patriot, this is Chuck Morse Speaks. Thank you very much, and my guest is Evan Falchuk, governor, candidate, United Independent Party. And, uh, Evan, we're talking about uh, peeling off some of the layers of the onion here in Massachusetts regarding the generations of corrupt uh, people on payrolls, you know, what, what my good friend and colleague Howie Carr calls hacks on the payroll, quite accurately. 
And uh, just uh, but not only would this reduce the cost of, I think, of, uh, of government to us, the taxpayers, but it would probably reduce the cost of some of the services that we pay for. Like it costs $15 to get from, um, from, I think, from Framingham to the airport now on the Mass Pike and the cost of buses and uh, subways and other agencies, which are uh, overloaded with the, these pensions and with people who really are one, questionable in terms of their function. We need to have a governor who is not connected, who will go in and perform a forensic audit of all of these agencies. As I said, Bill Well did part of it. He did a good job with the, um, the, uh, you know, the, the various police departments, but he only got so far. Uh, what say you with regard to a complete audit of, of all of our agencies and quasi-agencies of government in the happen. state? It has to happen. You know, I want to do a line-by-line line review of that state budget. And there are lots of things that need to be stopped, and there's lots of things that need to be reallocated to other purposes, and there's lots of things where we say, all right, now we've got money that's available for other purposes. Um, and it's look, it's, it's it's on a couple different levels because you have this issue that we're we're talking about in terms of the, the the people that have been hired. But in just at the end of this legislative session, in a, in a year when there are so many important programs that need uh, funding from the state for veterans, for seniors, uh, for others, the state legislature decided near the end of the session to spend 1.1 billion dollars, actually to borrow 1.1 billion dollars to expand the Boston Convention Center, which is already a huge building. Um, huh. And yeah. I, I know that there is some economic rationale for doing it. You could tell a story that would explain why this was a, a good way to spend the taxpayers' money. But it's not that convincing, and it was really never subjected to a real public discussion. And we're talking about a billion dollars. And that's a serious yeah. chunk of money of the taxpayers that is being spent to, to, to do something that it's not clear why we're doing it. That's a huge issue. I'm glad you're bringing it up. We'll be right back. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer. Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law, this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, proof of God in heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via his universal laws and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. Chuck Morse Speaks. Okay, my guest is Evan Falchuk, running for governor of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, United Independent Party. Evan, you lay out a pretty good uh, program with regard to um, taking on these uh, entrenched hacks. I mean, I would, are you getting on with Howie Carr at all? I would imagine he, he'd want to hear this. Yeah, I look forward to having a chance to talk with him. I wanted to talk to you first. 
Oh, okay. I mean, he's uh, he's been covering this issue for years, right? Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. He's no, it's, cutting it's, edge it's of it. Yeah, it's important that these things are, are talked about publicly, and and you know, it's again in a world in which there's this strange um, overlap between what we see in the political establishment and, and what people are able to get from from press. It, these things don't get the attention that they that they really they really should. And it and and you know when when the majority of legislators are running unopposed. And when huge numbers of voters aren't voting, um, you know, you, you, you start to see these things are, are much easier to, for people to get away with. There, there isn't any accountability. Mm-hmm. And, and why, sh- you know, in, in many ways in a democratic process, you know, they're being accountable to whoever they need to be accountable to. And that, unfortunately, many times isn't the voter. So it, it can change. I, mean, I want to you know, bring this, up. This, yeah. hmm, go ahead. I, I want to I bring up a couple of very sensitive issues here. Uh, and controversial. The first is that while the people of Massachusetts, we are a generous people when it comes to helping people who are below the poverty line and who, um, you know, have fallen through the cracks. At the same time, there is increasing evidence that the um, the system of welfare in the state, the EBT system, is being abused and is being expanded. And um, the governor here has done nothing about it. He, he views it as an antidote and all of that. Um, what are you going to do about that? And the second one is the fact that the uh, federal government now has introduced into our state a, a number of uh, illegal aliens uh, called young people. Some of them aren't so young uh, from the south of the border who have recently been coming over this past couple of months. They will not tell us how many are here. But what we've seen is evidence that um, they are being housed and they are being cared for in facilities, and they're getting benefits that the poor people in this state should be getting, uh, that the people of our Commonwealth, through our taxpayer money, have created for dealing with true, uh, you know, the, the truly poor, poor, the indigent, that those facilities and benefits are now going to these newly arriving illegal aliens. Uh, what are you going to do with regard to the EBT card issue? Is there a, a plan afoot to reform that to make sure that only the truly needy are getting the benefits? And secondly, what about the influx of illegal aliens? Well, you know, there, fraud in public assistance programs, not just EBT cards, but really any of them, has to be rooted out. And, and it's, it's, it's certainly one of the high priorities that I have. There's, these are taxpayer dollars, and our government's got to spend them wisely. We, we have a bigger issue, too, with, with just this problem of poverty, which is that there's increasing numbers of people that end up needing public assistance, and it's because of the incredibly high cost of living in Massachusetts and the fact that median wages have stayed flat over the last decade or so. Um, and again, it comes back to this issue of, of health care costs, of housing costs, of other costs that keep going up because state government isn't doing its job to make sure that these market-distorting practices that are taking money out of people's pockets aren't happening. So if you've got to pay an ever-higher insurance premium, that means you're closer and closer to the edge, where if you lose a job because there's an economic downturn or someone gets sick and, and you, you suddenly have to deal with, with big medical bills, you may find yourself suddenly in need of being on public assistance. And once you're on that and maybe you get sure. unemployed for a while, it's hard to get off. That's, that's really what it's about is getting at the, the underlying causes of these problems by, by driving down the cost of living so that people have more money in their pockets. That's how we really address this problem beyond solving the issue of fraud, which I think is, is a terrible thing. Um, and on, on the, the migrant um, uh, issue,
issue that you just raised. I mean, the, the challenge we have is that there was a law that was signed by President uh, George W. Bush that said that unaccompanied minors from Central America had to have court hearings before we've decided what to do with them. And some of them may actually have a valid reason to be here, and some of them don't and, and should be deported uh, back to their home countries. But while they're awaiting hearings, there's there's thousands of these um, folks, and, and they, they need a place to stay. So when the when the federal government said to to the various states, we need we need your support in, in having places to for these these people to stay, I think it was right for the state of Massachusetts to join in on that. Um, I, I do hear you that you know we got to make sure there's transparency in how this money is being spent. Uh, although the reality of it is is that the people are being housed on military bases, the federal government is paying for it. It's not affecting the, the cities and towns. People are not being introduced into into homes and into schools. Um, there is a problem of illegal immigration in the United States, and the federal government has utterly failed to deal with it, which means the consequences end up falling on the states. And it really is one of a, a really incredible example of the things that are wrong in our country today uh, that are of historic nature. I mean, it's been a long time in this country since we've had a federal government as dysfunctional as this one, and it's time for the people uh, out there to join with the, the Foul Check for Governor campaign and, and take a change. Okay, we'll be right back to conclude the interview. Pay attention to the small things, kid. Small things matter. Small problems become big problems. Take a transformer. Rain leaks into a transformer. Insulation system breaks down. Insulation system breaks down. Copper windings overheat. Copper windings overheat. Transformer blows. Transformer blows. Facility goes dark. Facility goes dark. Kid, you don't want to know what happens next. That's why I use Granger. Granger helps keep small problems from turning into big problems. Get it? Got it? Good. Call, clickgranger.com or stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You have a mortgage and a load of other debt. Wouldn't it be great if it all just went away? We paid off all of our bills. All your debt, including your mortgage, in as little as nine years? We will have saved over $313,000 in interest payments. Even have more money left over each month? It lowered our monthly payments by a little over $500. Call for your free CD now. 800-383-5310. This works. Call the number. Call now for your free CD. 800-383-5310. 800-383-5310. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much, uh, Evan Falchuk's my guest, uh, governor, uh, candidate for governor. Evan, let people know how they can reach you, how they can find out more about your campaign. Uh, talk a little bit also about your nuts and bolts organization in terms of getting out the vote and how you're going to do this thing in uh, November? Uh, We are working hard every single day of the week uh, with my team. I've got 14 full-time staff. We've got dozens of um, interns and and, um, uh, students and hundreds of volunteers all across the Commonwealth. What we are doing is organizing people. That is is the way that you, you make this kind of a thing happen all across the Commonwealth, seven days a week. You can see a lot and read a lot about it at falchuk2014.org. That's F like Frank, A-L-C-H-U-K, 2014.org. And on Facebook, Evan Falchuk, M-A. Um, people post questions there, and I answer them. It, it gives you a sense of the kind of person I am. And, and you know, I, I think the process of running for governor is a job interview, and people should look and say, how are these candidates acting when they're trying to get the job? Because it will give you a sense of what it will be like once they have it. And, and I'm working hard to earn the votes of everyone in the state. 
Uh, and if and if people want to support the campaign, there are so many ways to get involved. Um, you know, and if if you're if you want to donate to it, dollars count. You know, we're, this is uh, this is an uphill battle against an entrenched political establishment, and uh, and every dollar makes a difference of any size. And you can do that right there on the falcheck2014.org uh, website. Um, so I I'm just honored by the opportunity to do this and uh, to be on the ballot on November 4th is is a great privilege, and, and I hope that everyone pays attention to what's going on in this race, that they hold every candidate to account, they make them have very specific answers to every question, uh, and and uh, and I hope that, um, uh, that that is what voters see when they get into the voting booth on November 4th and pull that lever or fill in the bubble for, for the Falchuk for Governor campaign on November 4th. All right, Evan, listen, I want to thank you for joining me. I mean, I think you have a political future in this state, win or lose. And uh, I certainly congratulate you for the effort uh, of running. I mean, it's a, it's a great opportunity for bringing issues forward, which you have done very well. And uh, I wish you the best on uh, Election Day. Thanks so much, Evan. Thank you so much. All the best. Take care. For those of you who owe the IRS at least 10000 or more in back taxes, now there's hope. The Internal Revenue Service has extraordinary programs in place that could eliminate or reduce your tax debt by thousands of dollars. Call the 911 Tax Relief Helpline that has been set up to help you. 800-295-1849. Stop the wage garnishments, levies, and tax liens now. Once you've qualified and enrolled, the IRS will halt all collection activities against you. These unique programs have been allocated to help the economy and significantly reduce or eliminate your tax burden. The IRS is currently accepting reduced settlements and other favorable programs. You may qualify for substantial savings, so get the help you need. For free information and to see if you qualify, take down the number now for the Tax Relief Helpline. 800-295-1849. 800-295-1849. That's 800-295-1849. For those of you who owe the IRS at least 10000 or more in back taxes, now there's hope. The Internal Revenue Service has extraordinary programs in place that could eliminate or reduce your tax debt by thousands of dollars. Call the 911 Tax Relief Helpline that has been set up to help you. 800-295-1849. Stop the wage garnishments, levies, and tax liens now. Once you've qualified and enrolled, the IRS will halt all collection activities against you. These unique programs have been allocated to help the economy and significantly reduce or eliminate your tax burden. The IRS is currently accepting reduced settlements and other favorable programs. You may qualify for substantial savings, so get the help you need. For free information and to see if you qualify, take down the number now for the Tax Relief Helpline. 800-295-1849. 800-295-1849. That's 800-295-1849. Boston conservative in the cradle of liberty. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. Thank you very much. Hour number two of Chuck Moore speaks here at the Information Radio Network. 
You're welcome to join the program, 844-439-1391, 844-439-1391, Monday through Friday, 10 till noon, and archived on Podomatic, uh, iTunes, and Stitcher. We'll be joined shortly by Dustin, Justin Danhoff, Esquire, with the Free Enterprise Project. Justin is the General Counsel for the National Center for Public Policy Research, as well as Director of the Center's Free Enterprise Project. Uh, according to Justin Danhoff, the, a recent North Carolina case in which an employee was demoted because it was felt her reading a Facebook post about a race-related story to fellow employees in the workplace created a hostile, quote, hostile work environment. Uh, Danhoff notes, quote, this has implications beyond this one government employee and could negatively impact many private sector employees as well. Many hostile work environment laws are inherently vague and therefore give the arbiter extreme latitude in deciding these cases. This is an issue that transcends race and the way it can stifle free speech and put employees at risk for something even the president encourages shows why something must be done to reform this problem in the workplace. Such cases as this could very well lead to instances of government restricting speech based on content and viewpoint. With speech deemed hostile to blacks is punished and speech that is hostile to whites is not, even when such speech is on private property, of the release notes. Uh, just, uh, Justin, thanks so much for joining me this afternoon. Thank you for joining me, sir. Uh, okay. Uh, this is there you go. Uh, just, thank you. Thanks for, thanks for joining me. Um, I've introduced uh, the idea, and basically what you've discovered are these um, – in the, these work laws that are in place that allow a uh, an agency to uh, demote or fire an employee, and this is, of course, a public federal agency, for what's called hostile work environment based upon these laws. Tell us what happened and tell us about these laws. Yeah, sure. So um, with this case, the facts are a good place to start. So um, the timing of the case is important. Um, the woman in question was demoted around the time of the 24-7 news cycle covering Trayvon Martin's death in Florida. So um, as you all recall at that time, we had all the cable news networks, talk radio, everybody talking about George Zimmerman, Trayvon Martin, um, nonstop. So a woman in a state agency in North Carolina was in a staff meeting. There was a lull in the staff meeting. During that lull, she got on her phone, and she was on her Facebook, and she started reading aloud from a Facebook post. Um, some of her nearby coworkers could hear her. The Facebook post was written from the imagined perspective of a real baby who had been killed in Georgia recently. And the baby was 13 months old and white and killed by a black individual. Two black men were robbing the baby's mother, and at point-blank range, one of them shot and killed the baby. Um, so the post reads from this baby's perspective, and it says things such as, well, since President Obama couldn't have a son that would look like me, he's not going to hold a press conference about my murder. 
the federal government isn't going to pursue hate charge crimes against my murderers because I'm a white baby. Things like that. There's, you know, no bounty is going to be put on the heads of my murderers um, because I was a white baby, whereas we all recall the new Black Panthers, of course, put a bounty on the head of George Zimmerman um, after the Trayvon Martin scuffle. So it continues in that vein. While um, maybe a little bit edgy, nothing in the post was a racial slur, a racial epithet. Nothing in the post was factually incorrect. It was all factually correct. All the post did was point out a great juxtaposition when it comes to coverage in this society and whose murders get covered and why. Um, And really kind of the inaneness of how the George Zimmerman Trayvon Martin trial um, and the travails around it with the Justice Department, with the FBI, with President Obama, with everybody else giving their two cents, Um, But this, probably all your listeners out there, um, this is the first time they've heard of the 13-month-old white baby being shot in the head, point-blank range, and killed, right? Um, So that's all the Post really wanted to highlight. Well, for this simple act of reading the Facebook post aloud, the woman was demoted. And when you read through the entire case, it... There are office rules in place because she was a government employee against um, using Facebook for personal use and using cell phone for personal use while at work. So arguably she could have been punished um, just for those reasons. Fine, I won't get into dickering back and forth with the arbiter over the conduct rules of the office as they relate to Facebook and cell phone use, whatever. But where we do have a problem um, is that the arbiter in this case, so she appealed her demotion, uh, went to an administrative law hearing in North Carolina, and the arbiter decided that not only should she be punished for those violations, but indeed her actions of simply reading this factual Facebook post aloud created a hostile work environment. And that's where we at the National Center here have real concerns that the theory of hostile work environment law is now applied to basically um, correct not only real incidences of harassment, but basically the arbiter is deciding what is politically correct speech and what is politically incorrect speech. And now we are going to be able to demote, fire, censure, whatever, not only this public sector employee, but hostile work environment law covers private sector uh, activity as well. And that's where we have a real concern, that we're, we're moving away from punishing actual incidents of harassment, which I think you and I both agree should be swiftly and justly handled, to having an arbiter decide what is politically correct speech or not and punishing individuals, even in the private workplace, for speech that um, they deem to be politically incorrect. Justin, this is the first time I've heard of this so-called hostile work environment laws. It's something that it sounds to me like something that one would expect in a in a country like communist China, where you have <laughs> laws that are against, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, you become an enemy of the state. You know, laws against political speech, um, and, and it's completely alien to our system of jurisprudence, which is to have laws that are based upon actions, not things, you know, as nebulous as um, as some offhand comment or, or thought or whatnot. Um, in our society, traditionally, things like this, where somebody feels that 
uh, a company, private or public, uh, that a person is engaging in hostile activity, it's dealt with privately. It's dealt with by the person given an option, you know, brought into the office in private so that people's reputations aren't destroyed and uh, and then asked to stop doing it. And it's usually handled in that way, not by having the federal government come in and pass laws that, that impugn inside a, a, an agency, whether it be public or private, because even a public agency is operating in, in, a, in a private context in, in its actual functions. Um, and, and so we have essentially the federalization of, a, of an incident that should have been handled quietly and privately. Now we have a person, because she read this Facebook uh, email, is uh, her reputation has been damaged, her career has been compromised, her life has been affected negatively, um, there maybe there was somebody in there that wanted to get her. There was might have been a, a vendetta, but even then, uh, it, it should be handled privately inside a company, not by using these federal laws. So I wonder how it is that such laws as workplace uh, hostile workplace environment. How did they? I mean, how were they implemented? Did Congress vote on these, or are these well, simply the, rules that are made up by some agency? Yeah, sure. There's a few different aspects of it. You can go to the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission website, and they have a list of what they consider their most significant cases over the last half dozen years. And there's page after page after page where they're using Title VII of the Civil Rights Act um, to go after hostile work environment situations as they see it. Um, it, it. So there's that aspect of it. There's also state law that speaks to some of the incidences of hostile work environment laws. Um, but I want to bring up a, a point that you say a lot of these things are handled in private. A lot of them are hushed up very quickly because, of course, um, what we're dealing with is something called viewpoint discrimination. And I won't get too far into the weeds with it, but basically imagine two white middle-aged gentlemen are having a conversation at the water cooler, and their sons are applying to college. And they're both bemoaning the fact that their white sons may lose out seats to underqualified black and Hispanic students because of affirmative action. Well, a black secretary happens to walk by, guess what? That could be a hostile work environment because from his or her viewpoint, not the viewpoint of the average person, but from his or her viewpoint is where you start with these cases. So... Um, what often happens if that situation arises is, of course, the black employee not only sues the two individuals, but she sues the company because, of course, the company has the money, right? Well, in, in many, many, many situations, corporations are very tepid in this, our society, right? They don't want to be on the front pages for anything like this. Sure, they're shaken so whether, down. You know, right. they'll, yeah, I mean, they'll be, I mean, the governor, our governor of Massachusetts made millions shaking down corporations. By by threatening to accuse them of some, having something against black men and women, I mean this is a scam that goes way back. And uh, again, I mean, if, if, you know, if somebody feels if this woman at the water cooler feels that these two white guys have said something offensive, in a free society, what she would do would be if she doesn't want to confront them directly, which is of course the best way to go about it, and say you're you're making comments that are offensive to me. Please stop it. She could report it to her supervisor, and it's handled quietly. They're brought into the office. They are reprimanded inside the company. Maybe they even are fired if it's really serious. 
I don't have a problem with any of that. The problem is that these things have now become federal laws. We now have the federal government coming in with the fiat power of the state and not only penalizing people because of accusations made and uh, it's very difficult to, you know, what, what are they going to do, have a trial with a jury over it? But, but furthermore, they're shaking down the companies. You get, you know, race hustlers coming in, and uh, a company's one of its most valuable assets is its reputation. They don't want this to be public. So they end up coughing up enormous amounts of money to various special interests who have made a whole industry out of this. And, uh, you know, it, it's something that is utterly un-American, in my opinion. Well, you're right. There's a very, there's very much a cottage industry of the race hustlers who shake this down. But I want to bring up one point, and that's the fact that um, corporations are in the best position to do something about it. I get that there's a delicate balance here. So corporations, of course, do their own investigations of these matters. And if it is a real incident of harassment, deal with it. But if it's just this overt political correctness, right? There's no reason I can't have a conversation talking about affirmative action. Fight back. That's my message to the corporations. Fight back. Okay, we'll be right back. Please sit tight. There's a special announcement for those of you who owe the IRS at least 10000 or more in back taxes. Now, there's hope. The Internal Revenue Service has extraordinary programs in place that could eliminate or reduce your tax debt by thousands of dollars. Call the 911 Tax Relief Helpline that has been set up to help you. 800-295-1849. Stop the wage garnishments, levies, and tax liens now. Once you've qualified and enrolled, the IRS will halt all collection activities against you. These unique programs have been allocated to help the economy and significantly reduce or eliminate your tax burden. The IRS is currently accepting reduced settlements and other favorable programs. You may qualify for substantial savings, so get the help you need. For free information and to see if you qualify, take down the number now for the Tax Relief Helpline. 800-295-1849. 800-295-1849. That's 800-295-1849. You have a mortgage and a load of other debt. Wouldn't it be great if it all just went away? Nine-year mortgage can change your life. We paid off all of our bills. All your debt, including your mortgage, in as little as nine years? We will have saved over $313,000 in interest payments. Even have more money left over each month? It lowered our monthly payments by a little over $500. Nine-year mortgage. (laughs) Where have they been all of our life? If you knew about something like that, you'd want to tell everybody. Whenever I have a friend or someone that needs this service, I give them the number. Hi, I'm Larry Ruff, president of Nine Year Mortgage. This is unlike anything you've ever seen before, and it will absolutely not harm your credit. Call for your free CD and learn how you can eliminate all of your debt, including your mortgage, much sooner than you ever dreamed possible. The more debt you have, the more we can help. Call for your free CD now, 800-383-5310. This works. Call the number. Call now for your free CD, 800-383-5310, 800-383-5310. Friend, this is Pat Boone with a pretty good idea on how you can earn extra money in your spare time and, while you're doing it, help provide food for starving children. You heard me. Now you can earn money for your family and provide meals for hungry children all at the same time. Why don't you check out usagoodness.com? Get more information on starting a new home business. You'll feel great earning extra money to help the family budget, but... 
you'll feel even better knowing that your work is actually saving lives. Go to usagoodness.com or call toll-free 800-301-6177. Again, 800-301-6177. You can earn some extra money for your family while helping other families in dire need of food and provision. 800-301-6177 or usagoodness.com and you can tell them Pat Boone gave you the number. Have you ever thought you'd like to buy and sell houses but didn't know how or where to begin? Do you fear your job is in jeopardy or is your business income reduction keeping you awake at night? We're in the best time in 25 years to make a fortune in real estate without using your money or credit. My name is Ron Legrand, and I've taught a half a million people to do just that and personally bought hundreds of houses myself. If you'll call 800-970-6156, 24 hours, and leave your information, I'll send you the first 500 callers my hot new CD, Foreclosure Fortunes, and my best-selling book to help you get started absolutely free. I'll show you how to build a six-figure income part-time with no previous experience and no license, even if you're a busy professional. Call 800-970-6156, 24 hours, and get my new book and CD free. That's 800-970-6156. Take your life back and make this your best year ever. Call 800-970-6156 now. Taking back America one listener at a time. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much. My guest is, is uh, Justin Danhoff. He's a general counsel for the National Center for Public Policy Research and the director of the center's free enterprise project. We're talking here about this uh, so-called hostile work environment uh, rules. I would imagine these are not laws that were enacted by Congress. They are laws that are enacted by uh, these uh, these agencies that are making laws as they go, which brings up some constitutional questions. But the laws themselves, I would argue, are unconstitutional. I mean, you cannot get a government involved in such matters unless there's a criminal act performed. And to criminalize things that go on in an office that involve speech is wrong. It runs against uh, our American system of jurisprudence. Now, uh, Justin, you say that the best way to go about it to to challenge these things is for corporations to stand up and refuse to buckle under this kind of threat. That's not going to happen. They're you know they're not going to you know risk their reputations. They'd rather just cough up the dough and uh, and not risk having lawsuits and slap suits, which are going to end up costing them ten times more in the end and hurt their they'll be dragged through the mud publicly. So I think that the way to handle this and the way to challenge this is for people of all races, everyone, black, white, you know, poor, rich, in your place of work, to not be threatened by this kind of terroristic intimidation and to relax and learn to speak up and speak your mind and maybe as an act of, uh, you know, civil disobedience. I mean, this is a civil rights issue in the real sense. You know, say that we have the freedom to engage in discourse in our place of employment. If we overstep a line, then we will expect to meet with our bosses. But beyond that, we are not going to be intimidated into uh, by by this government, which is trying to uh, censor dissent. Yeah, 
you know, I, I'd like to I'd like to believe that's a path we could take. But these cases start with individual employees claiming that their other employees create this hostile work environment. Well, we have the president of the United States tells people every day that they're victims, right? That they're victims of this idea that there's white privilege out there that is keeping you from getting jobs. Uh, that's keeping you from advancing in society. The president himself plays the victim card all of the time. So the cottage industry is there because there's folks out there who believe they're victims, even when we're just having an earnest discussion about things like race. And the reason I say that corporations should stand up for themselves is because they're the ones with the money to do it. Um, we've seen this succeed. What you, what you were talking about going against and contravening American jurisprudence, you're exactly right. Because what does it contravene? What do these speech codes contravene? They contravene the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. And in a court case, the Constitution trumps all. And we've actually seen some small levels of success in one arena um, in this field, and that is with college campuses, where these draconian speech codes that restrict time, place, and manner, ability to say what you want to say because it might be offensive to just about anyone, um, there has been libertarian groups that have fought back on behalf of students across college campuses in America, and they're winning these cases on First Amendment grounds because first, the First Amendment of the Constitution trumps Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. And so now that college students have laid the groundwork for corporate America, there's legal precedent out there. So if they just stop writing a check, Every time a black and Hispanic employee claims discrimination when it's not really there, if they stopped cutting that check and they started fighting back, that's where you'd see less claims of discrimination because guess what? I guess the company isn't just going to cut me a check when I cry racism when it doesn't exist. That's where I think we can win the day. I don't think they're going to do it because I think that uh, they don't want to have uh, Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton camped outside the door. You know, they've got their public reputation to worry about, and the forces that are against them are going to um, get ugly, uh, possibly. So I think that uh, groups like yours, the Free Enterprise Project, um, are in a position to help individuals who are accused of these sorts of things. I mean, these are serious accusations. They can hurt a person's reputation. No one wants to be called a racist. I mean, it's, it's an ugly, vicious charge that uh, if enough people are willing to, if you're in trouble in this way, you've said something that, and you're being attacked by someone, you know, countersue, stand up and say, I'm the one who's being attacked. I have been, I am the one who's victimized here. I understand that somebody doesn't like what I said, and maybe I shouldn't have said it, but now I'm the one who is being destroyed for this, and I'm going to take a counteraction and have organizations like yours and others back them up and say, look, you know, this is a free country. Uh, you know, we're not going to see someone destroyed over this. Anyway, we'll hey. be right back, Justin. We've got to take another brief break. And Justin Danhoff's my guest, Free Enterprise Project. People wake up worrying about their job and paying their bills, and that stinks people in third world countries wake up worrying if their children will have anything to eat and that stinks even worse there's a way to help solve both of those problems get on the internet and go to usagoodness.com and find out how you can be a social entrepreneur 
Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby, and for years I have been helping people work from home. With USAGoodness.com, you can earn extra money working from home by helping to feed starving children in poverty-stricken areas. How great is that? The only tools you'll need are a telephone, internet access, and a good work ethic. We'll teach you how to be a social entrepreneur and earn extra money while helping others. Go to USAGoodness.com or call 800-301-6177. 800-301-6177. Owning and caring for a home comes with a lot of to-dos. Fix the AC, build a deck, remodel the kitchen. Whatever your home improvement need, HomeAdvisor can help you find a pro you can trust to get the job done right. Go to rebuild.homeadvisor.com for instant access to top-rated pros in your area, including electricians, handymen, remodelers, whatever type of home pro you need. HomeAdvisor is absolutely free to use. At HomeAdvisor, you don't have to search through a long list of pros. With just a few clicks, HomeAdvisor matches you with pros who provide the exact services you need. You can read customer reviews of the pros, even use the cost guide to find out what hundreds of other home projects cost in your area. Because HomeAdvisor knows it's important to find a pro you can trust in your home, they conduct background checks on their service professionals. It's just one of the reasons more than 25 million homeowners have used HomeAdvisor. Go to rebuildhomeadvisor.com to find the right pro for your project. That's rebuild.homeadvisor.com. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much. Uh, Justin Danhoff's my guest, uh, Free Enterprise Project. So, uh, Justin, we, we're, we're talking about, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you're on this because uh, this is something that affects all people, this idea of federalizing crimes. I mean, this is what's uh, happening in our schools now with um, bullying laws. I mean, no one's for bullying, and the best way to handle it is for the bully to be taken and disciplined by teachers and uh, by the principal, maybe, uh, you know, suspended from school or even expelled. But now it's becoming federal. It's becoming state. There are laws in place. People are being charged with crimes. People can go to jail. There's money involved. Uh, This is the danger of getting uh, the government involved in regulating anything other than crime. You know, these are regulations of, uh, you know, thought or behavior which is something that uh, traditionally has not been a crime, nor should it be a crime, in this free country. What say you? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. And I think what's very interesting to note is, specifically in light of the uh, Trayvon Martin, George Zimmerman, um, hullabaloo, everything that has happened after the Michael Brown, including the Michael Brown shooting and then thereafter in Ferguson, Missouri, what do we hear from politicians and pundits of all stripes? is, you know, President Obama comes out after Trayvon Martin's shooting and says we need to have a national water cooler discussion about race. Um, You can turn on after Ferguson, you know, we've got pundits of every stripe saying we need to have frank, earnest discussions about race. Well, let me tell you, one place that you probably should steer clear of that is the workplace, because just having an honest discussion um, could very much lead to your firing. It, you may you may say nothing that's offensive to the average person, but again, what we're talking about is viewpoint discrimination. 
where it just takes the one to be offended, the federal government will come to their aid and ruin your life. So that's that's what we're talking about yeah, here, you know, and I think I find it comical that President Obama is supposedly a constitutional scholar, and he's out there recommending we have water cooler discussions and frank, earnest discussions about race when he very well knows his federal government could come in there and then ruin your life for doing so. Well, I mean, Obama went on a um, an NPR program when he was a state senator saying, uh, when asked about his philosophy on the Constitution, said that... Um, he felt it was an antiquated document and that the best way to effect change was to uh, do an end run around it through administrative acts. And this, in fact, is uh, these are administrative acts. These are not Congress uh, passing laws, which is the proper way to do it, uh, checked by a Supreme Court and a president. This is agencies that are outside of elected government simply enacting laws themselves. And... Uh, it's more insidious, as you seem to be implying, Justin, than just simply um, someone offending somebody at work because of a Facebook post. The Facebook is something that's private. You know, somebody could see someone post something on Facebook outside of work and make a claim that they're saying something offensive, which then leads into and bleeds into private life. I mean, to suggest otherwise that, that, that this isn't going to affect all speech that any person saying anything, whether they write it on a on a website like Facebook or whether they're here overheard saying it at at, uh, at a private party or or even on the street, that they can't be penalized ultimately for saying something that is seen as not uh, in opposition to the political powers that be, that they could be penalized by these arbitrary laws, and they are arbitrary, of course, because it's only used against enemies of the present uh, government. Oh, well, well, recall back in April, right, um, the CEO of Mozilla, if you run Firefox on your computer, the CEO of Mozilla was ousted from his job simply because it was uncovered that he had donated a small amount of money to Proposition 8 in California, which, of course, goes against the left-wing political correctness in this society, and the CEO had to go. And that was a private action. That's right. Okay, we'll be right back. Please stay tuned. A Truth Talk defender, Chuck Morse is someone you really do want to know. Chuck hosts the radio talk show Chuck Morse Speaks, which is nationally syndicated. He's the author of books and numerous columns that have been published broadly. Chuck received the 2003 Communicator of the Year Award and was named a heavy 100 radio talk host by Talkers Magazine. When Chuck Morse Speaks, people listen. The taking possession of this tiny holy land so that the, the Jew can serve God, not conquer the world. To hear Chuck live, go to irnusaradio.com. To hear Chuck with Deborah Ray on Truth Talk Beyond the Soundbite, visit the on-demand page at deborahray.us. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. 
In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they are true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law, this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, Proof of God in Heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via His universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. Hi, I'd like to cancel my teeth whitening appointment. Oh, may I ask why? I found a teeth whitener that works in five minutes that I can do from home. Can I ask what it is? It's called Power Swabs, and it whitens your teeth in five minutes, doesn't leave my teeth feeling sensitive, and it's a lot less expensive than visiting the dentist. Hi, I'm John Greenhut, the CEO of Power Swabs. And if you want to whiten your teeth two shades in five minutes and six shades in seven days, then try Power Swabs. There's no messy strips or trays that you'll have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth and you're done. It removes stains on natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. Try Power Swabs risk-free by calling 1-800-270-8863. That's 1-800-270-8863. I guarantee your friends and coworkers will be wowed by your new white smile. Try it risk-free and get free shipping and handling today. Dial 1-800-270-8863. That's 1-800-270-8863. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much, Justin Danhoff's my guest. Free Enterprise Project. Justin, so uh, we're talking about uh, practical approaches in terms of what uh, people can do about these really uh, oppressive laws that uh, frighten us, that intimidate us, and that uh, squelch our ability to express ourselves. You know, President Obama, as you said, is talking about a dialogue on race. Forget about it. I mean, I let's have the dialogue. It's uh, if you speak up about race or express opinions, then uh, then you face accusations. Um, what can we do? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few things. Um, first of all, there are about half of American jurisdictions that have laws on the books um, where, the, at the state level, you can defend yourself. So, for example, Connecticut and New York both have laws that say you cannot be punished at the workplace for engaging in a protected First Amendment activity. So I, I, I think that a lot of times these are underutilized by individuals who face these consequences because a lot of folks, it's an, it's an underdeveloped area of the law. Like I said, only half of American jurisdictions have such a law in place which allows employees to protect themselves. So I think... You know, one thing is that those those laws need to be, you know, developed and looked at by these jurisdictions that for whatever reason haven't gotten around to it or haven't seen fit to enact such a such a law in their area. Maybe maybe something to consider because that's the other thing. This doesn't need to be a partisan issue, right? This doesn't need to be a left right issue. All employees should be protected. If you have a very liberal um policy or political view um in the workplace, that shouldn't be punished either. Um, so that's, that's, that's one area where protection can come in. Um, I, I think that people should take a close look at the First Amendment cases that have come out of college campuses. I really do think that we are beginning to 
you know, political correctness, at least in my lifetime, has only been on this escalating scale, right? Most things in, in life go in cycles. Well, political correctness has only been going, you know, trending upward. The first really niche that I've seen somebody break into that is on these college campus cases. And some of these are at the state level. Some of them are in federal courts. But in many instances, um, these draconian restrictions on speech have been overturned because, of course, they contravene the First Amendment. Okay, we'll be right back. Thanks. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law, this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, Proof of God in Heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via His universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. Thank you very much. And my guest is Justin Danhoff, General Counsel for the National Center for Public Policy Research and Director of the Center's Free Enterprise Project. Uh, Justin, I still think that the best answer is one of um, civil disobedience on the part of people. That basically, if you are in a situation where you're being... um, demoted, fired, where there are threats of lawsuits, you have to, uh, as difficult as it is for most people because no one wants to put their neck out, you got to stand up and counter-sue. you got to contact groups like your group, uh, Justin. You've got to uh, say, it's I who is being harassed here. You know, maybe I made a racist remark. So what? You know, it's not good. It may be rude, but this is a free country, and this kind of uh, attack on me is disproportionate to whatever I might have done. You know, you can apologize for the remark, but you could say, I'm not going to, therefore, see my entire career and life destroyed over it. I didn't do anything wrong. You know, I mean, you could get over it. This is not a, a legal matter. It's not a criminal matter. And, uh, and that people need to stand up. And I think if people do stand up, honestly, then you're going to find that others will rally around them and we will see genuine social change away from this left-wing authoritarian and draconian and regressive approach. And I would also point out that, arbitrarily speaking, I could almost I don't think I'm going too far out on a limb to suggest that these laws are enacted against people who do not goose-step to the left. You know, if you're on the left, you, you get a pass. I mean, I'm sure there are exceptions. But generally speaking, people who are victimized by these kinds of uh, attacks are people who are not, you know, genuflecting to the left. It's that simple. 
Justin? Well, yeah, I mean, we see it in, in all forms of this government, right? We've got the IRS going after conservative groups. Uh, we now have um, a phone call from the Department of Justice to the Democratic Committee investigating the IRS. What he thought was a phone call to the Democratic Committee, we, we now learned that the DOJ is working with the liberals in Congress against the conservatives to investigate the IRS scandal. So the DOJ, who's supposed to actually be, you know, nonpartisan and investigating um, what actually occurred, is working to not investigate what occurred at the IRS. We've got the Department of Justice under Eric Holder suing states all across this country for simply passing voter identification laws to protect against fraud. Well, the Supreme Court has already said that voter ID laws are perfectly acceptable, and that was a decision written by a left-wing justice. But Eric Holder doesn't like them, so guess what? We're suing conservative states that pass voter ID laws because we can't have conservatives winning elections, right? So that's, you know, that's what we've got in this government. We've got a tax coming from all sides, and it's on conservative thought and viewpoint. And this idea of attacking speech is just the next in you know, this continuum that we've seen come out of this administration. Well, I mean, you bring up the very apt example of how arbitrary this is. They sue states for trying to prevent voter fraud because they like voter fraud, and they'll sue states for enforcing already existing immigration laws. But yet if you have a state like California, which recently announced that um, all uh, illegal aliens are welcome, they don't, they, all of a sudden the federal government is, you know, they're violating federal law. I mean, they're implementing state uh, immigration laws. Nothing is said. You have communities, you know, with, with uh, sanctioned laws, you know, welcoming in illegal aliens in Massachusetts, which is uh, against federal immigration law. They don't they don't care about that. But if a state tries to enforce federal immigration law, they get sued. So, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, you know, we have a system that is uh, is criminal. It's not based upon an equal equal protection, I mean, equal enforcement of the laws. And when you're getting involved in laws that regulate thought and opinion, then it's going to be absolutely a recipe for such arbitrary enforcement. And that should be condemned by everyone. This is the civil rights issue, the civil rights movement of our time, actually, stopping these kinds of uh, freedom-eroding, government-controlling, bureaucratic uh, rules and laws that are hurting people. Yeah, that's right. I mean, when it comes to the federal agencies in this country, you know, we have a government that's for the liberal, by the liberal, right? Um, But there are some small successes. The, The Obama administration has lost more than a dozen times unanimously in front of the Supreme Court, including striking down Um, the National Labor Relations Board recess appointments, including striking down the Environmental Protection Agency when they try and restrict private property. So while the agencies are attacking conservatives, they are attacking conservative thought and speech, um, there are victories in the courts we can point to um, where we are eroding some of the power grabs, some of the thought police actions, and those are great successes we can point to and emulate. Okay, we'll be right back to conclude the interview. 
have a mortgage and a load of other debt, wouldn't it be great if it all just went away? Nine-year mortgage can change your life. We paid off all of our bills. All your debt, including your mortgage, in as little as nine years? We will have saved over $313,000 in interest payments. Even have more money left over each month? It lowered our monthly payments by a little over $500. Nine-year mortgage. <laughs> Where have they been all of our life? If you knew about something like that, you'd want to tell everybody. Whenever I have a friend or someone that needs this service, I give them the number. Hi, I'm Larry Ruff, president of Nine Year Mortgage. This is unlike anything you've ever seen before, and it will absolutely not harm your credit. Call for your free CD and learn how you can eliminate all of your debt, including your mortgage, much sooner than you ever dreamed possible. The more debt you have, the more we can help. Call for your free CD now, 800-383-5310. This works. Call the number. Call now for your free CD, 800-383-5310, 800-383-5310. Author, journalist, and American patriot. This is Chuck Morse Speaks. Thanks so much. And uh, Justin Danhoff, I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon. We've got a few more minutes here, so I'd like you to let people know how they can reach you and how they can find out more information about uh, your freedom your free enterprise project. Yeah, thanks, Chuck. Uh, it's been a pleasure. You can find our website at nationalcenter.org. We also operate a blog. Uh, that's at conservativeblog.org. And, of course, in this day and age, you can find the National Center for Public Policy Research and all of our work uh, posted on Facebook and Twitter both. Excellent. Listen, I want to thank you so much for joining me this afternoon, Justin. Thanks, Chuck. Have a great day. All right. You, uh, you bet. Take care. Okay, and I should mention uh, as we uh, go off the air here that um, I shall return tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, God willing, right here at the Information Radio Network, and that also my books are available at Amazon or Amazon Kindle. Just put my name in the server, Chuck Morse, M-O-R-S-E, like Morse code, and you'll see uh, three uh, soft covers and uh, 11 e-books come up. They are they range in price anywhere from three to five bucks. You can take a look at the uh, reviews, at the synopsis. Read a couple of pages for free. Uh, these are full length books. They range anywhere from twenty five to ninety five thousand words. Uh, they they range in topic, across the board, um, and uh, you might want to check them out. Again, Amazon Amazon Kindle. Put my name be there or be square. Put my name in the server. Chuck Morse, M-O-R-S-E, like Morse code, and up they come. My blog site is, of course, Chuck Morse Speaks. The programs are archived on Podomatic, iTunes, and Stitcher. And uh, I'm soon going to be having, um, this is a new thing that's uh, developing, I'm going to have a subscription blog that you can subscribe to for a dollar a month, 99 cents a month, and get exclusive private blog from me daily. Um, so I'm excited about that. I'll have more news about that uh, in a couple of weeks once this thing goes online. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and have a nice afternoon. You're listening to the Information Radio Network. People wake up worrying about their job and paying their bills, and that stinks. 
people in third world countries wake up worrying if their children will have anything to eat, and that stinks even worse. There's a way to help solve both of those problems. Get on the Internet and go to usagoodness.com and find out how you can be a social entrepreneur. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby, and for years I have been helping people work from home. With usagoodness.com, you can earn extra money working from home by helping to feed starving children in poverty-stricken areas. How great is that? The only tools you'll need are a telephone, Internet access, and a good work ethic. We'll teach you how to be a social entrepreneur and earn extra money while helping others. Go to usagoodness.com or call 800-301-6177. 800-301-6177.